Hey friend, good morning. I am so excited to share a special Mother's Day episode with you. Today, my three co-hosts from the Focus Retreat are joining me, and one of the things that I absolutely love about this group is the shared wisdom and encouragement that comes from authentic connection. Today's conversation is going to be led by Becky Kopinski, who is the founder of The Inspired Business, and you'll hear more about Becky, Lori Beth, and Jennifer in this episode. The Focus Retreat is all about encouraging women and their unique gifts while living an integrated life. And for many of us, motherhood is a big part of that life. The four of us are at all different seasons in motherhood, as you'll soon hear. So it was wonderful to sit down and share what the journey looks and feels like for all of us while gleaning wisdom and perspective from each other. So I hope uh, you leave this episode feeling inspired and encouraged within the season of motherhood that you're in and knowing that you're not alone. So enjoy. So let's get to it. Well, hi, ladies. This is Becky Kopitsky. I am here with three of my dear friends and mastermind collaborators, and we're talking about motherhood and all that motherhood entails here for this special Mother's Day podcast episode. So I'm here with Jennifer Ford Berry and Lori Beth Aldridge and Amy Debrook, three beautiful women of God who are serving their families and serving their audiences. So ladies, can we start out by talking about the different seasons that we're all in right now? Because all of us come at motherhood from a slightly different stage. So I'll just start by saying I right now have two teenagers, younger teenagers, a 13-year-old and a 16-year-old. So we have just started driving in our family. Okay, so she's been driving for a year, but now we officially have the license and all that that entails. And then my my baby is a teenager now. So I am in a whole new phase and I'm learning and I learn from those of you who are a bit ahead of me. And I'm learning how to let go of being the, oh, what do we call it? The I'm I'm learning to be more on the sidelines as the coach rather than the mom who says, here are all the rules and here's everything you must follow. But now I'm watching and observing and guiding and asking for their input more than I'm giving it, or at least I'm trying. So that's a new season for me. But what about you ladies? So I am in a completely different stage. I am at the tail end of having kids in my home. My daughter is 21 at college um, in Florida. So she's pretty far And then my son is currently a senior in high school, and he is heading to college in the fall. So I'm going to be an empty nester. And it's like, I've heard a lot of women say, I can't wait to be an empty nester. And I'm like the opposite. Like, I want to hit replay and do it all again. I'm trying not to get sad. I'm I'm coaching myself to be positive, but I'm definitely in the emotions of it right now. Mm. That hurts my heart a little bit, Jennifer, yeah. because I see it coming. I see it coming now, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I have a sophomore in high school who's almost halfway through with her high school years. And so I'm seeing that that day comes when they leave the house. So Amy, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Because you're also in that stage where the leaving is yeah. happening and has happened. Yeah. So the leaving has happened. <laughs> We're tipped where it's more leaving than here. We have three that are out. Uh, one's in the Navy, one's on grad school, and one's doing their undergrad, all um, on the West Coast, and then um, and then a junior in high school. And so I'm with Jennifer. I'm waiting, like <laughs> not with bated breath in a good way. I'm. I was the same. I have always loved 
having my kids around. I never understood when people wanted their kids to go back to school after summer vacation. I was the mom who just, that just didn't appeal to me. I just love having them around and I still do. I love watching them navigate uh, into adulthood. So that has been an interesting journey. I think I think the empty nester will hit me the hardest um, when Addie, you know, when the, the, the youngest is out of the house. I think the hardest part is having three out and just her here. And it's interesting because we've had a lot of people say, oh, you're going to love it. You can just focus on her. And we all hated it. She, her included. <laughs> She's like, I don't want all the attention. I mean, I don't, I don't, I shouldn't say we hated it. Of course, it's nice to have that intentional time with just one, especially when you have multiples. So I don't mean it in that sense, but I think we all had a grieving period of having life not be the way it was and the way it's always been. And especially for my youngest, because she was always the one happily you know, at this time of year, especially going to every single ball game of her brothers or every single tennis match of her other brother um, or a track meet that her sister had. And now it's just her. We're going to her events, but it's a different feel. They're, the things that were just natural expectations for her before, they're not there anymore. And so we're all really kind of learning how to navigate that, I think. Um, so that's the interesting crux in our season at the moment. It's not just having people out of the house because now my oldest is 24. So I've got 24 and 22 and 20. The 24 and 22, there's been a, a huge shift. So I can actually, they're like, we've shifted where it's a, it's more like they're good friends. You know what I mean? I'm still always going to be their mother and my husband will still always be their dad. And we, you know, love that role. But there's a different relationship also that has progressed, which has been lovely to experience, but there is a grieving process going on right now with life is different. Lori Beth, you are not at that stage of life. <laughs> I am not. I am not. And I'm over here. Like my milk just let down from all the gushing. <laughs> That's what stage of life I'm in. I am 42 years old and I have a 16 month old. I actually have four children who are nine, seven, six. And then my son is 16 months old. And so I am still nursing at 42. I'll be 43 this year. By the time we meet in person in September, I will be 43. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So that's what season I'm in is um, actually having young kids, having four kids under the age of 10. And our biggest challenge isn't the age stuff right now. It's transitioning from 19 years on Maui to North Idaho and trying to reestablish community and friendships and all of that. While also like I have three girls and then a boy. And so I'm also learning how to be a boy mom. And there is so different. It is so different from moment one. It was so different. And so I'm in that season of adjusting to all of this newness and yet being a quote unquote older mom. And then in this group, I'm like the younger mom with all the younger kids. But I'll tell you here in North Idaho, that is not the case. Like I am definitely an older mom. And it's interesting because I feel like I bring a lot of wisdom and patience to the table with that, but not every single day. And so I am struggling with, with that because I still have basic tasks that I'm teaching my children, like cleaning up after themselves and getting dressed and brushing your teeth. And I still have another round of potty training to go. So it is an interesting season we are in for sure. So 
I have all the younger kids and, um, but then have been around a lot of older kids too. So uh, we homeschool. So I'm with my kids all the time. So I just can't even imagine. Uh, I love being with my kids. I love homeschooling them. I love having them close. And even though my son is only 16 months old, I hear all of the moms like you guys who have gone before me who are saying it's coming and it's coming sooner than you think. And so when I have my little Velcro monkey attached to me (laughs) almost all the time, I think about where you guys are in your seasons of life um, and try to remember that for the hard days for sure. So I really appreciate you guys going ahead of me and all of that because it definitely helps. Mm. You know, one thing that all four of us have in common is that we are all also in ministry or online business. So all four of us podcasters, writers, uh, coaches, and I can look back and say, I've been doing this. I've been, I published my first book when my youngest was in kindergarten. So blogging and blogging several years prior to that. So I think for me, ministry, what has become now my business has been built around the family and the family values. So can, how about, can the three of you speak into that a little bit? How has your ministry or your business, your content creation business, how's that affected your motherhood or vice versa? I'm like you, Becky. I started my own business and part of what pro, pro, you know provoked me to become an entrepreneur was as soon as I gave birth to my oldest. I was in corporate America and I just, you know, my whole entire life changed when I became a mother and I decided that I needed flexibility, that I didn't want to miss all the little things. I just became this person that didn't care about corporate America anymore. I wanted to make a difference in the world and I wanted to be authentic to myself so that I could be an example for my daughter. And so everything I thought I wanted in life when it came to a career completely changed. And I went deep inside myself and asked myself a lot of personal questions. And it pointed me back to a passion I've always had, which is, organizing and systems and, you know, time management and these things that were innate in me from a little girl that I didn't even know other people weren't doing those things. Like I didn't know that was a need. And this was over 20 years ago when there wasn't, you didn't hear about professional organizers and organizing coaches as much as you do today. I mean, it literally was before HTV, Pinterest, you know, Instagram and all the things. So I have only done this as a mom. And my first book that I wrote, I was writing in between my kids taking naps. So I just fit it in wherever I could. And I had no idea what I was doing. I was just, you know, had a list that I was working off every day. And it was all the things it was business, it was writing, it was children, it was being a wife, and I figured it out. But I think because I did it that way, it helped grow the insight behind how I could help other women. You know, I don't think I would have been as good at it if I was doing this as a single girl. So I had to learn how to juggle all the things. And then I started just having a heart for women that were in a similar position and helping them. That's so interesting because mine was like so different, Becky. It, and I, I feel like it's somewhat of a luxury to be able to stay home and, and not have to I mean, there's different sacrifices, but, um, I, at the end of the day, I, I didn't have to go to work and I didn't want to. Um, 
So that was a huge blessing to be able to do that. However, when my kids were little is when I was in the thick of um, a lot of anxiety, severe anxiety. And so I unfortunately missed a lot of moments with my kids because I, my mind was just spinning. I was just trying to get through each day. And I was really good at saving face. Like if you saw me on the street, you wouldn't know that. You would think I had it together, but I had—I really didn't have anything together. It just looked like that. Um, but so my ministry really came around my 40th, after my 40th birthday, um, which was, I hate to say it because now I'm 52 and I just realized I'm 10 years older than poor Lori Beth. But um, so 12 you know, years ago and that has been really, I feel like life-changing for all of us. I think it was nice for the kids to see me in a different role as just um, being their mom. I think we've always been a family that have prioritized trying to be in service. So even though we were home trying to volunteer and do that kind of stuff, but it was different seeing me in a different role. It took them a few years to kind of really even think I was doing anything at all. Um, and so writing my first book and all of that. And of course, the first one I wrote was I co-wrote with my oldest daughter. And so it's really been a kind of a nice progression. I don't know at that time before um, when my kids were younger, I would have had the capacity to even consider doing an actual ministry or anything like that. I had to really kind of, you know, have that healing process in myself, surrender, which is my whole ministry. Um, to have the confidence to move forward. But I think it's been a blessing for them. I know it's been a blessing for me to feel like I can add that extra layer of vulnerability, sharing with them what it was like to experience such severe anxiety, helping them maybe with some coping skills that they otherwise wouldn't have had if their mom hadn't experienced that. And then really having the courage to kind of take that to another level and speak into other women and um, help them help those women too that, you know, I always say I had a little bit of a pride issue that aren't so forthcoming with what their struggle is, especially when it comes to anxiety. So definitely different, but grateful for, even if it was later for me, um, you know, I'm a little late to the game in comparison to the rest of you, but I, you know, I, I think it worked out better. I think that was my timing. Mm-hmm. I love that, Amy, because I was just thinking, oh, we were just talking about our mastermind stuff this morning. I was raised with the notion that God always provides for a child. And I believe that a loving mother is part of that provision. And so our roles as mothers are really important. And I know that the podcast, Elevating Motherhood, started because of generational stuff. My mom was a super young mom, super under-resourced, um, simply because of age and simply because of location and, and resources. And I really felt very compelled, very convicted that when I became a mom, that that would end with me, that moms would have resources, they would have confidence, they would have community. And so my ministry is all about resourcing moms and helping them find a lot of the missing pieces, which includes spirituality in our secular culture. Our secular culture tries to like, it's, the, it's disgusting what it says about motherhood. And so my whole thing is opting out and opting out of secular culture and all the toxic messaging that is there and providing moms 
with perspective and intuition and guiding them back to God and, and have helping them come to the spiritual peace of their motherhood. And then also recognize that their role definitely has a spiritual element in their children's lives too, because we are there providing for our child and our children will be provided for, and we are part of that provision. So mine is absolutely connected to motherhood for sure. (laughs) And resourcing moms And helping them find those missing pieces. And I'm telling you, the majority of the time, it has to do with the spiritual side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Lori Beth, that's interesting. You say that you're talking about supporting other moms. That's really the basis of what your ministry does. So in in what other ways does it look like for you? And then also Amy and Jennifer, what does it look like to you to support other moms? And in my own ministry, I started as, you know, what everybody would call a mommy blogger, right, years ago. But really, for me, it was about encouraging other women to find joy in the grace of God in their everyday, because I was one of those women who really struggled, especially with the newborn stage. And I had a lot of um, anxiety issues as well that that manifested as frustration and often came out as uh, anger toward my kids that I didn't always express but would internalize. And then I came to meet other women who were feeling the same way but felt like they couldn't talk about it because that meant they were a bad Christian and a bad mother. And when I realized there were so many of us out there, I decided that honesty was going to be my ministry. And so I was vulnerable and open about my frustrations with motherhood and identifying what does the word of God say about it? How do we, uh, how do we instill some spiritual disciplines or just through prayer or just identifying our identity, you know, who are we in Christ? All of it. What does that say about our motherhood? How does the Bible actually apply to motherhood? And then can we give ourselves some grace? And so that became the core of my writing early on. So I was a mother myself speaking into the lives of other moms, encouraging them to be to give themselves a break, essentially, and to not beat themselves up. And that, to me, was one of the ways that I supported other moms. And, and every time a blog post came out, I would inevitably get at least one person emailing me back saying, I needed to hear that today. Were you in my house today? Right. And that's when I knew I always told the Lord, I'm just, if one person comes back to me and says something that you wrote made an impact on me, then I did my job. But what did it look like for the rest of you to support? And what does it look like today supporting other moms? You know, everything I do, Becky, is 90% working with moms and it always has been. I think that's where my heart is at. And, you know, so moms on one aspect, they're dealing with all sorts of clutter. They need systems. They need organization. It's, it's not just physical clutter. It's spiritual, mental, emotional, relationship clutter. And then it also has evolved into an online community where I'm coaching women that I can't be in their homes with them. Although I've spent 20 years in women's houses. And then I also have another business where it's a a community of women that are consigning together and they're, they're repurposing their stuff and their clothes and their toys. And then we're helping charities that have moms. So it's like everything I've always done kind of has magnetized towards moms. And I love that. And so I think that, you know, moms need a lot of help and they need a lot of community. But the crazy thing is, is that because I work with so many, I have been able to tell them 
that inside everybody else's home, nobody has it figured out perfectly and that we all share the same concerns and the same struggles. And deep down, we're so much similar than you can ever imagine. I think it's been a privilege to be in so many homes and to see how other women mother. I don't think we all get to do that. But since I have, I try to make sure I remind everybody that even though you see a house from the outside and you imagine, right, our brains always go to this perfect scenario, right? Everybody's more perfect than us. And so, you know, I could pull up to a a gorgeous home that's perfectly manicured and you would think that woman inside must be have it all put together because the outside looks that way. Or you meet somebody even in the grocery store and the way she's dressed or the way her hair is brushed, you think she has it all together. But really, it's not true. Deep down, we're still struggling with anxiety and comparison. And some days we don't feel as happy as we should, even though we have a beautiful life. Or we're struggling with how to manage all the stuff. Or, you know, are we... are we parenting the right way? So I feel like I've been really lucky to see that the behind the scenes and I want moms listening to know that you are not alone. There's so whatever you're dealing with today, there's so many women out there feeling the exact same way in this exact same moment. Yeah. It's interesting, Jennifer, when you were saying that too, you know, talking about judgment, I think that that's such a I think that's such a huge thing. And I think obviously, I don't even know when I was younger, when I was a young mom, I think you can sometimes judge just when you're out in your, you know, setting and you're seeing other kids. And if your kids are being behaved and you see other ones that you feel like aren't being, you know, behaving to your level or your standard. Um, I've grown a lot with that over the years, I think. um, And I think in supporting women, is also been able to listen to them more, hear what they have to say, like you said. I think that there's so much, um, I don't know, love and compassion in being able to listen instead of always having to maybe give advice or add your two cents or put out a judgment or whatever that is, but maybe just listen to hear, to, you know, and hear what they have going on. Like you said, there's so many things that we have no idea what people are dealing with. And, um, and so I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think that the more we can just kind of lay those expectation down, expectations down and just listen to what these women have to say that are around us and try to just block out all the other things that would be easy to judge. Cause a lot of things can be easy, right? We, we see something and we're like, gosh, I mean, she's really got to get a hold of this kid or whatever the case is. I mean, I'm just being honest and realistic here, but the reality is we're not doing anybody a service, um, a, a good service by doing that. Um, just the opposite what would be better is to just maybe come alongside her, you know, listen to her. What can I do for you? Maybe we can be the person that could extend out to them. And I think that is where I see a lot of lacking. I think there's a lot of the judgment, but there's a lot less people getting engaged and getting involved. And, you know, just recently we were flying home from somewhere and there was this mom in the airport and, and her baby was struggling. You know, it's a, trips are hard. And, you know, just because your kid, and I'm speaking to myself here, my kids were easy travelers. They didn't have the ear issues, but that's not necessarily common. And that's not everybody's story. And that's not everybody's level of patience. 
which by the way, I don't have much patience. <laughs> so that was probably good for me, but, um, but, but nobody was stepping up. Nobody was asking this woman, like, do you want me to walk this baby around? No, granted, she's probably going to say no, cause you're a stranger. Right. But wouldn't that be wonderful if we had more women stepping up to us at our worst and most vulnerable and ugliest moments where we feel like it and actually just want to be there for us, speaking into us and encouraging them. That's what I would like to see more of. That's what I'm, I've tried to as much as I can support women in that because I see that as a huge lack right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amy, can I give you an example of another example of that, a real tangible, vulnerable example of that? Um, sure. Because I think that we struggle with not only judgment on ourselves and afraid that people are judging us, but then we live in a culture that tells us to like automatically judge other people, right? Like the situations you're talking about. And I find myself even doing this and I'll just be totally truthful. It's so unbecoming, but here it is. We were on this big RV trip and it was our very first night there. And we were super frazzled, super stressed. And RV life is not as glamorous as people think. In our case, it's a lot more slobbery and really loud. (laughs) And, and there's only one tiny show in the RV. And when you go to these RV parks, you have to seek out the, the shower facilities and you just don't know what you're going to get. And we're already super frazzled. We're in the city. It's 11 and a half hour drive, end of day one. And we're walking by and to get to the showers, you have to walk by the hot tub. And there is this mom there with her son, who's probably like four and he was not listening and he ran off and she set a boundary and she said, no, that's it. You're not following the rules. We're done in the hot tub. And he lost his mind, lost his mind. So she's there with another woman, another young woman or whatnot. And she just calmly picks up this boy and picks him up and he claws her face, like just physically attacks her. And she screams because she is like shocked that her son has clawed her face. And I thought, oh my gosh, that poor mom. And I didn't think that poor mom, like oh, that poor mom, she needs help right now. Uh, But I also didn't approach it from, oh, that poor mom, I should give her some parenting advice. Instead, I was like noticing it, right? And here's my four kids following me looking perfect, but it's because they're scared in a foreign (laughs) city in a parking lot. We don't know what kind of shower facilities we're walking to. So they're in line because they're just equally as scared as I am. I don't know what we're going to see. And I did feel sorry for her. And I was also like, oh, that, that would be hard. But there was judgment in my heart and I knew it. And I was ashamed in that moment that judgment came to the surface and I was ashamed. And I was like, you know what? That's ridiculous. You have no advice you can give this woman. And she sure as heck doesn't need your judgment. You know what? Just move along, move along, move along and repent and get that judgment out of your heart. Well, we go to the shower facility. Well, where do you suppose someone who's leaving the hot tub is also going (laughs) to the shower facility, right? So I am presented with the opportunity to use this moment. And I am like, you don't give her any advice. You do not judge her. That's it. The judgment is done. Left the judgment at the bathroom door, the shower door, right? And it happened. And I listened to this woman peacefully parent that child. And she explained herself to me and said, you know, I screamed without it. She felt it. She felt my judgment or she just felt the judgment from the outside world and said, I screamed back there because he clawed my face and it really caught me off guard and it physically hurt me. And I didn't know what else to do. And I was like, oh gosh, I feel awful that she felt that judgment and felt like she had to explain herself to me in this world. 
And then she was patient and kind and gentle the entire time with him. And it turns out that other young lady who was with her was her 16 year old daughter. Mm. And she, the 16 year old daughter was also trying to handle him and do all this stuff. And she was teaching her 16 year old how to parent the little boy and show up for him. It turns out the little boy is autistic and has sensory issues and water heightens that sensory issue stuff. And the older sister is telling him, come on, just do this. And she goes, no, you have to explain it to him. He's not going to do something just because you tell him you have to offer the explanation to And I was presented with the opportunity to champion her in that moment and say, you are such a good mom. You are not only a great mom to that little boy, you are a great mom to your older daughter as well. The gifts you are giving your children of being patient and present in this moment are going to just like, they're going to reap the benefits for generations. And I just wanted to say, I noticed what a good mom you are. And I just appreciate you so very much. And that was how it is. I needed to show up in that moment, not with the ju- even the silent judgment in my heart. And it's funny because we live in a world where we think that other people aren't picking up on this stuff, but they are. Yeah, I love that, Lori Beth. It's just the way we could show up for all other moms, regardless of our demographics, our religion, our age, just coming from a place of mom to mom, we know it's hard. We know what you're going through, almost like a sisterhood of that. We've been there. You know, we all spoke in the beginning of what stage of life we're in and it's all very different, but we can respect each other's stages. And so I think that story is a perfect example of that. would like to know from all of you, you know, what is, what has been the hardest practice to adopt or to break in your parenting? What's been the thing that you've struggled with the most in this, in this season? I I can speak <laughs> with that. Hardest to break. Oof, Jennifer, I grew up with a yeller. My mom was a yeller and I'm always like, I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to yell. And it's my default. I'm, I'm, I feel terrible about it. Um, I have not mastered it. Um, some people are always surprised by that when I say that. They're like, oh, I can't imagine you yelling. I'm like, well, I don't yell often, but I mean, if a situation comes up and I'm frustrated with one of the kids, that is my instinct is to yell. Um, but yeah, that's been my hardest thing to break for sure. My my, I think the best thing or the hardest thing to adopt was probably listening. Um, although I have to say that's probably been one of the best things that I have, I've ever done as a mom, as a wife, as a parent, um, is to really take that on intentionally is to try to be a better listener. Amy, I can relate to that because I was thinking, what are the challenges I'm facing now? I can tell you historically, you know, what, what have been my challenges all along, but in this season now with teenagers, especially teenage girls, I'm realizing I need to shut my mouth and listen and not speak in so much. I'll, I'm a natural encourager, so I will try to encourage my kids if they're dealing with a situation, whether it's friendship drama or, you know, schoolwork, whatever it might be. Mom wants to give the words and I want to encourage and I want to guide. And then there comes a point where I'll, I'll look at my daughter and I'll just say too many words and she'll say, yep. (laughs) So I, I just have to, I have to say, okay, you know, I mean well, but I will shut my trap now and you tell me 
what, you know, what are you, what are you experiencing? Or just know that I love you and I'm here for you if you want to talk it through. But she doesn't need my constant shepherding anymore. She needs to find her own way and I'm there to help her if she wants help and to encourage if she wants encouragement. But I've got way too many words for my kids now that they're trying, they have to find their own way and they can't necessarily do it mom's way. So I'm learning the hard way just to shut my mouth. (laughs) It's not easy. I like words. I can wholeheartedly agree with you, Becky, because I think being a coach has made me want to coach my children because that's my profession. So I'm just coaching everybody. And then I started coaching them. (laughs) I agree. Sometimes, you know, as my daughter got older, it's like less coaching, more listening. (laughs) And I don't have to fix. Do you ever try to coach your husband, Jen? How does that work? (laughs) He needs it. (laughs) They all need it, Jen. They all need it. Is coaching or training? I'm not sure what it is. But (laughs) the bottom line is, is like, I don't have to have all the solutions. I think that's a hard thing of just, I think it comes down to control too. As the older they get, releasing more and more of my control and letting them develop into who they're supposed to be. Um, But I had a lot of trouble recently with, and I did this with my daughter too, but even worse with my son, when he started driving, I had this crazy worry and I felt like, man, I wasn't such a worrier when they were little because I was in control, right? They were with me. It was like, I could protect them all the time. So letting them go as they get older, I'm struggling with more worry you know, and I don't know if anybody else can relate to that, but it's really hard because when they're little, like, you know, Lori Beth with you with Avery, you're in control of his life. And then all of a sudden they get to be a big boy that are bigger than you driving a car every day. And you're like, Lord, help me. I've had to really work on my trust in God with that because I can't, otherwise a worry will drive me insane. I think that's absolutely, mm-hmm. I think it's trusting. Do I trust God or do I trust my yeah. ability to protect my kids? Well, I've never had as much control as I imagine I do. Never. And so now that they're they're older and and my oldest is also driving, it's the whole idea of letting her go because God is the one watching over her. I am now having to experience and put into practice in new ways. I remember blog posts when they were three and I was telling people, you need to trust the Lord with where your kids are. When you go to kindergarten, the Lord goes with them. Yes. But now I can't even be in the car. And do I trust the mm. Lord then? And, you know, and, and, right. and Amy and Jennifer, I know both of you now with kids out of the house. I mean, Amy, you have one in the military. Let's talk about, do we trust the Lord to watch over our children when we cannot have them in our arms, right? It comes into yeah. play in a yeah. whole new way when they grow up to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and before Lori Beth adds in there, I, I just want to speak to Jennifer, the control thing. That is huge. That's been my crux from day one, which what's so funny about the control thing to me is that I cannot navigate my way out of a a paper bag. I mean, I need the GPS to speak life into me to go (laughs) 10 miles. So to think that I actually would be in control of, of anything like that. And me, I was always putting God in the passenger seat And it's just, you know, we always laugh about that because my navigation skills are just so poor, but that is a big thing. I think when you are somebody, and I think as women and, um, Lori Beth, I'll be curious to your take on this as well, 
But I think when you are women who feel like you're capable of many things, um, and that confidence borders self-control. And so, you know, when we give that up, it's kind of almost like we're saying, well, you know, well, we can't handle that. Well, we think we can handle all of it. We're not meant to handle all of it, but that's always been a struggle for me is to just relinquish that control in, in practical situations. Like you said, Becky, it's always easy to say, I love saying that to other people all the time. Applying it sometimes can be very difficult. <laughs> Mm -hmm. That's so good because the word capability makes me think of like capacity too. Like we have the capacity, we have the capability, we're given all these things and, and it ties in beautifully to my biggest struggle, which is like overwhelm big time because I have auditory overwhelm at this point of my motherhood journey. And I have schedule overwhelm between, you know, being an entrepreneur and, and working from home and having kids. I mean, I'm sure you've heard them knock on the door while we're recording this because that is is like the level of, it almost feels like overcommitment. Um, but it's not, it's not, it's not like my kids are overcommitment or like just trying to balance it all. And so I struggle with management and organization because I live in a world, we all live in a world that tells us that overwhelm is the norm and that you have to be busy. And we, we've talked about this quite a bit and I try to step out of that. So I opt out of all that messaging and then I just get sucked right back in. It's like an ocean wave, like the undertow, just like going back into the overwhelm. And so I try really hard to stay present. And ironically, the yelling thing happens when I start to feel like I'm losing control or like the undertow is carrying me out to sea, or there's just too much auditory stuff and, and all of that overwhelm. And then I default back to what I was taught, which is yelling, like you just yell and like, like that's going to get some control. And so I don't want to be that way. And so as a person who is breaking generational cycles, it is real extra. It is real extra. And so it's a fine dance between coming back to that capability and capacity. And we have all those things. And then here comes the undertow back into the ocean, the overwhelm. And it just, ah, so that's where I am. I feel like that undertow all the time and anything can take me out of it. It can literally be like the baby screaming, plus the dog barking, plus the chicken slaying eggs, plus the airplanes going, plus I heaven forbid the neighbor fire up the lawnmower at that moment in time. I'm like, that's it. <laughs> Just, and then I'm trying to manage everything, right? I'm trying to manage everything. And, and so really calming down and, and getting myself out of that undertow and finding time to just lay on the beach instead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that is where I am <laughs> and what I struggle with the most. I think all of us can relate and every listener is going to identify something in what we've said when it comes to our greatest challenge. So, and I know we've got to wrap up now. So can I just suggest that we, we wrap up by just sharing with our listeners, what, what is the, your top go-to for finding peace in the middle of those challenges? Mm. Wow. Can I just say I'm struggling with that a little bit and I'm, but I'm actively seeking it um, because the number one thing for me is legacy. My grandmother just passed away and she was the biggest influence in my motherhood for sure. And at the end of her life um, in her delirium, she was, she's Catholic and she was praying the rosary in her delirium. Her default was to go back to what she did every single day. And that was sewing 
and the rosary. And she, so she was threading invisible needles and praying the rosary constantly. And I think, my gosh, is there anything in my life that I do constantly that I would default to during my old, my, at the very end of my life, what would I default to? And I'm embarrassed to say at this point, it'd probably be panic and yelling. (laughs) Like, I don't want that to be my story. So I am going back to legacy and trying to find what it is I can do with my hands, um, physically with my hands. And then how my children know me, I think about that all the time. And how are, if I died tomorrow, how would people talk about me? Would they say Mm -hmm. I was grumpy? Would they say I yelled all the time? And not just anybody, my children and my husband and my family. And so legacy is what's leading me to get recentered over and over again. And it is because of my grandmother, not only the way that she led her life, but also her death. That has been a great example to me. I love that. That's so beautiful. I think for me, it's, I've always think about preserving the relationship between myself and my kids for the years to come. And I think Mm -hmm. about what I wanted more of from my parents and I try to give that to them. And then I also think I try to remember what I need for my parents now at this age of my life. I want to be that mom for my kids the whole way up Mm -hmm. um, because I feel like I wish it was different and you know, I think it can be improved. And so that guides me on what kind of mom I want to be. And then frankly, I literally pray all day, every day about my kids every day when I wake up all day, because that's the only thing that helps me feel less worried um, about them as they're not always with me. I do the same thing, Jennifer. I I pray from the time I get up, um, anything that's ruminating, um, you know, that I've thought about more than three times, I know it needs to go to prayer directly, um, especially when it comes to my kids. But I also, ha- I feel the same way as you, but both you and Lori Beth, um, there's definitely habits that I would like to change or have tried to change that I don't like. I want to make sure that my kids see me as someone who has respected them also and when they are parents and, um, and really live that out to what that looks like. And really just, again, foster that relationship to, to something more than just, um, more than just, uh, me being their mom. Um, I don't need to be their friend still, but I love, I want to be involved to an extent where I can see their lives unfolding and they want me to be in that space to do it. I think there's something to be said. I, you know, you see all these relationships and, and it's always interesting and somewhat almost sad to me how many kids do leave and they just are like, oh, well, I'm going here for, you know, three months and whatever. And it's like, that makes me sad a little bit. Like, you know, my kids are struggling right now, like I said, in the beginning of this interview with the challenge of life is changing. We don't have those set schedules now for vacation because I'm not, my husband and I aren't setting them up. They have a life now and it's challenging and they love it and they hate it at the same time because those expectant things aren't expected anymore. And so I want to still be the person, the mom in their life where they want to keep some of those traditions or include me in whatever their next life tradition is going to be with their Mm. families. That's beautiful. I'm just going to give one little quick tip that I've been applying and maybe it will help some of us, um, some of our listeners and it relates to legacy and it relates to being present and I call it drop it and do it. If my kids are asking to spend time with me, I'm aware that I have a limited amount of time yet where they're going to be asking for that, where they're in my house. And so I evaluate, is this something that I can just 
drop and do because I, I I'm I'm busy all the time, right? I'm I'm distracted. I've got a business to run. I'm, I'm, we're homeschooling our seventh grader right now. So, is this worth drop it and do it? And almost always the answer is yes. <laughs> so that's so good, Becky. I love that. Well, you ladies are all such a delight, and I'm so glad we could get together and encourage other moms today. So, any final words? Happy Mother's Day! Happy Mother's Day! Yes, Happy Mother's Day to three of my favorite moms. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Love you, girls. Well, friend, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. This mastermind group has been more life-giving than I could have ever imagined. And I really want to encourage you today to reach out past your comfort zones and be intentional about finding like-minded women. This group of ladies was an unexpected gift, not only in my professional life, but also personal life. And I would have never experienced it if I hadn't said yes to something new. So if you have been looking for some fresh perspective with support, encouragement, and in-person authentic connection, please register today for the Focus Retreat. We are extending some bonuses in honor of Mother's Day that we don't want you to miss. So I will see you back here next week. In the meantime, don't forget to live your life on purpose and God bless.